Today's reading is John 13, verses 31 through 35. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You should also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. May this be the inspired reading for today's sermon. So we're in the season of Eastertide, uh, which means post-Easter, and we're celebrating the season of Easter. So it's uh, it, it's a joyous time when we're uh, aware of the resurrection and celebrating in the midst of the resurrection and all that comes with it. However, the lectionary takes us back today in the gospel text before uh, Jesus's crucifixion, right before Jesus's crucifixion, which I, is a little odd. I don't know why they did that, but uh, I like to be to be challenged. In fact, may, maybe you don't know this. Uh, the lectionary. When I talk about the lectionary, it's a three-year cycle of different scriptures that uh, a lot of Christian churches follow together uh, to get their texts for the week. Uh, which means that many other churches in the area or across the country or across the globe are preaching on this exact same text today, which is kind of exciting. The reason I like to use it, it's, it's, Baptists don't always use it, but the reason I like it is because I like the challenge of just being given a text and having to respond to it with the Holy Spirit's help. So that's why we follow the lectionary, because I'm forced to kind of think about whatever text is in front of me instead of just picking out my favorites, which would be easy to do. But this week we're given the text uh, in John right before Jesus is arrested and taken to trial and crucified. In fact, this is the Monday Thursday text. If we were in Holy Week, this is the text for Maundy Thursday. Maundy uh, Thursday literally means mandatum nuvum, a new command I give you that you love one another. So we would be washing feet and doing other things if we were in Holy Week. But here we are post-Easter looking back at this command that Jesus gives to his disciples. And the scene is this, it's the Last Supper. They're sharing the Passover meal together. They're good. They, they just washed Peter's feet. Uh, well, everyone's feet. Everyone washed each other's feet. And Judas just left to go do what he was going to go do. Set things into motion. The, the balls were rolling and things were about to happen. Of course, the disciples don't know that, but you and I do as we read this with anticipation that Jesus is going soon to be arrested and taken before Pilate and crucified, dead and buried. And in anticipation of that, Jesus begins a, in John a rather long farewell speech. 
And this is the first part of that speech. And Jesus, in anticipation of all that is going to happen, wants to pass on something to His disciples. And knowing that it's all coming down right now. Knowing that any moment now, they're going to go from hope to hopelessness. From joy to despair. From courage to fear. That they're going to experience betrayal and loss. That they are going to be in mourning. That they are going to experience violence and ugliness. That they are going to see their world crash down around them. That there is going to be death and mayhem and chaos and harm and fear like they've never known fear before. Are we going to get arrested? Are we going to get crucified? What just happened? Shock and awe and wonder and sorrow and all of those awful, uncontrollable, or that sense of being out of control feelings that every one of us has probably experienced to one degree or another many times in our lives. And in the midst of that, Jesus wants to give them something to hold on to. And He wants to keep it simple. Love one another. As I have loved you, love one another. And strangely, He calls this a new command. A new command I give you. However, this is really an old command. If we were to turn to Deuteronomy, we would see, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus didn't make that up. He stole it from the Old Testament. <laughs> love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, in fact, loving others and loving each other is a cornerstone of the Jewish faith. And here Jesus is saying, a new command. But He gives this to the disciples to keep it simple. Love each other. Through it all. Some stuff's about to come down. And the best thing you can do, the, the way you are going to get through it, what is going to keep you grounded, is if you love one another through it. I do a lot of funerals, and, and we have experienced a loss in our family as we mourn Pat Huntsman, uh, such, a, such a delightful lady who cracks me up and did up until her last few hours. Uh, and she is sorely missed. And uh, we gather for prayer at every memorial or funeral we do. I gather with the family before we go into the service. And the thing I encourage them to do is to hold on to one another and, ha and, and be there for each other. That's how you get through mourning. That's how you get through loss. That's how you get through pain. That's how you get through sorrow and despair. That's how you get through the rough and tumble times. That's why it's part of the marriage vows. Good times and bad times. You love one another through it. Simple command. And yet one that is so easily disregarded. <laughs> we seem to forget that. It's clear that we have forgotten this command 
as a society, as we look around and we see the wholesale vitriol hate that people, responsible people in leadership, people who pretend to run this country, run this state, run this city, who outright hate other people in public. I don't know when that happened, but vitriol hate for people who disagree with you. When did that happen? We live in a very fractured society where loving one another is gone, but not forgotten. It's in the church, is it? Though, boy, sometimes in our in our most desperate times, when, when we are under deep stress, when things are not going well in church, that's when we forget this command, don't we? When we're struggling with budgets, when we're struggling with priorities, when we're declining or things are difficult, when we're trying to figure out who we are and what we are about, when we're faced with difficult decisions and when we have to unite and come together so often that's the time when we start nipping at each other and we start critiquing each other and it's not very long it's not very it's not a very long train ride from from disagreement and nitpicking and backstabbing critique to outright hate and vitriol ugliness. That's what splits churches, is going from disagreement to crusading hate and fear of the other person. Oh, I hate those times. In a church. In a church. What Jesus has told us as a body is that the only way the world out there will know that there is a different way to be. Right? If you're sick of the political wrangling that's going on, and if you're sick of the different factions of people in society that are bashing against one another constantly, if you're tired of that, Jesus has a solution. Jesus said, be the church. Love one another. Because that is how the world out there will know that there is a different way. When, when the world out there is behaving badly, we are supposed to be the other way of being. We are called to that. And I praise God, my experience in this community has been that. We have loved each other. We haven't had the kind of stress that a lot of churches have, but we have been a loving beautiful community who has indeed learned how to to look beyond our differences and celebrate that which holds us together and celebrate our differences together we have learned to love one another through it all amen amen and i was thinking of this this new command business as poor jesus had to be, you know, we're, we're given this story by John to John's community. John who was dealing with a fractured church. With a church that was trying to figure out who they were and what they were about. Who, uh, who had a lot of infighting 
going on. And this was, this was an important text for John to pass on to his people. The first people who read this probably saw this command from Jesus, love one another. And they were cut to the quick. And they thought, man, we have not been doing that. And so they probably adjusted themselves around that. But I can't help but think we're also invited to put ourselves in what Jesus must be going through. That He is realizing that He is no longer going to be right there. In fact, He says in this text, I'm not going to be with you much longer. I'm not going to be here in the same... You're not going to know Me in the same way you have known Me. And all that is about to happen... It's okay. In fact, he goes on, he says, all of this has glor- will glorify, has glorified myself and God. That is to say, these things that are about to happen will ultimately end in God victorious. But it's going to be hard for you to see that. And I wonder if Jesus was afraid. Not afraid to die. I don't think Jesus was afraid to die. I think. Jesus had a righteousness within Him that gave Him the courage to face death. But I wonder if He was afraid of what would happen to us once He was gone. The people, the world that God so loved that He gave us Jesus to love and to follow and I wonder if Jesus, I wonder if we are invited to imagine that Jesus was afraid of what we would do and whether or not we'd make it and whether or not we would be the body of Christ, whether or not we would become the kingdom of God manifest in the world, whether we would let that Holy Spirit shine whether we would allow ourselves to be glorified as Christ was glorified, whether we would choose the other way. And so, I think Jesus in His fear for us and for our own stresses and our own conflicts, not just in the church, but within ourselves and among our own relationships, reminds us that the cornerstone of our faith in who God is is standing on one thing, one thing alone. Love for each other. It always comes back to that. And it, become, it has become so trite to even say it. Because we use it all the time. In fact, we kind of use it as an excuse. <laughs> you know, I love you, but. <laughs> right? Or almost a disclaimer. I love you, but. You know, and then we start to show how much we don't love someone. Or, uh, uh, you know, well, it's all about love, so we don't really have to do, you know, as long as we just say we love each other, it's, it's okay, right? 
But really, love calls us to do the hard work of being the body of Christ. Of being together. Of loving one another in a way that shows that world out there a different way. A different way. And we ought to stand in contrast to the point that we look freaky. And so we are invited, I believe, today to have a freaky love for one another. A love that confounds the world around us. Uh, a world that is full of vitriol. And the more vitriol it gets, the more ugly it gets, the more divided it gets, the more important it is for us to follow this new command. And I believe Jesus calls it new to remind us that it must be fresh every day. That it is a new commitment we make every day to love one another. As Jesus has loved you and me, we are commanded to love one another. By this, they will know you are my disciples. Let us pray. Great and loving God, we have experienced love, we know love, we know what it's like to love past our differences and above our differences. We know what it's like to experience love from You. And we thank You for that. Help us to take up this challenge of loving one another. It sounds so simple, and yet we get so caught up in all the other things that are identifying us as Your followers when all we really need is this thing that we love one another. Be with us in this. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.